Hello and welcome to Sex News with Ray. I'm your host, Ray, and today we're joined by Yael Shoham, event planner and administrator at Oasis Aqua Lounge. And full disclosure, she's also my best friend. <laughs> yes, I am. It's nice to, you know, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming to my apartment where you hang out all the time. Yeah. Okay, so today's... I love what you've done with the place. <laughs> it's really lovely. The bookshelves, you know? Yes. Um, okay, so today in Sex News, the article is called A Massachusetts City Decides to Recognize Polyamorous Relationships. This was published in the New York Times on July 1st, 2020, so literally the beginning of summer. This is a very recent Sex News article. In the city of Somerville, Massachusetts, they have illegally expanded their definition of families to include more than two people in a unit, and they're calling it a domestic partnership. The purpose of this was to expand access to insurance and health care to all members of a family— because your domestic partner does not need to be a romantic partner. This new definition includes families where aunts and uncles may take care of children, friends cohabitating for years together, and also polyamorous relationships. So one direct quote from the article is, based on the conversations I've had, he said, the most important aspect is that the city is legally recognizing and validating people's existence. That's the first time this is happening. Isn't that exciting? It is. Honestly, the first thought that I have was, oh my God. Ray and I need to move to Somerville. Right. That was literally They'll legally recognize our friendship. Yeah. I mean, you've already kind of been my platonic life partner in a right. sense. And while we've never actually been roommates, there was a few years where we had separate apartments, but we just stayed at yours all the time. I mean, I'm pretty sure we didn't have a night apart unless one of us was getting laid. For so. like a solid year. Yeah, pretty much. Right. And you were like, go back to your apartment. <laughs> or something like that. Like or you sleep at mine. Those lines. Yeah. So we're basically in a platonic relationship of some sort. Of some sort. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that is really cool because I mean there are more than just one type of relationship. It is not just monogamy. It's not the reality of the world. Right, so, like even uh, even households where the grandparents are helping to take care of the kids. And exactly. So this is a law that really does kind of... It's a good model for other people to follow. Exactly. And just recognizing it is kind of very supportive and it's great. I mean, I know that we both know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you this question anyway. What is polyamory? What does it even mean? Oh, so I guess polyamory in its truest form is uh, having more than one relationship. And in most cases, that is romantic, but it's not necessarily. There's a lot of people who are asexual and are in polyamorous relationships because their partners need a sexual component and they don't. There's more than one way to be poly. And we're not even talking about just general non-monogamy. We're talking specifically about polyamory here. And that is typically multiple relationships. Right. So just to clarify for a few of our listeners, monogamy refers to two people, I would say. So one man, one woman, one man, one man, one woman, one woman, non-binary people, any permutation of any gender, as long as it's just two. So if you and your partner like to have threesomes on the side, you are non-monogamous because that is automatically more than two. The difference between open or non-monogamy as a general term and polyamory, polyamory is referring to those multiple relationships where you treat all those people like a partner, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a non-gender specific romantic friend. I guess partner is the generic term for that. I mean, honestly, I like to use the term partner anyways, even like I, I am in a cis relationship heteronormative relationship. I identify as she, her. My partner identifies as he, him. But we use the word partner as a way to normalize gender identities in yeah, general. Totally. I also love confusing people because my name is Ray and my husband's name is Alex. And I'll say my partner, Alex. And I think he says my wife, Ray, but I wish he said my partner, Ray, because that would just be confusing for people and that would be fun. <laughs> okay. So we are not talking about 
allowing a man to have multiple wives and we're taking a step back to biblical times where you've got your wife and your six concubines. I mean, that's polygamy, which is different. But also technically would be recognized by this law. It would be recognized by it, but that specifically would what I would at least characterize as polygamy. Right. Yes. Yeah. So we're not taking a step back into history here with this. Mm -hmm. No, I think this is very forward thinking. And it's also just giving people recognition for the lives that they already lead. Well, yeah, that one quote, they're validating people's existence Mm -hmm. legally. And in the States, they get insurance through work. It's not like they all have their OHIP cards and they can just walk into the ER at any point. Like in the States, this is something important because they're trying to give more people access to health care. Mm-hmm. I think who otherwise wouldn't maybe be eligible for their partner's health care. I mean, which is actually a question that I had because the article wasn't super specific about that. So they've made this law, but they didn't actually say how they were going to be enforcing it. So insurance companies who are privatized in the U.S., how would that be enforced? That's my question. Yeah. I mean, I feel like step one is recognized. Step two is come up with the details, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I think this is a great first step, but I definitely feel this is a first step. And I think that there's sort of two ways that laws come about. There's the idea that people as a whole say this is something we want, Mm -hmm. uh, like same-sex marriage being legalized. And then the government goes, "Okay, we will do that for you now. Uh, Oh, my God. In fashion school, what would you call it when the people come up with it from the streets? And then it becomes high fashion. Uh, Trickle up theory? Right. Trickle up. Thank you. Trickle up theory. And then there was a trickle down, which is the government says... This is something we want to do. This is something we think should be normalized. This is something we want society to accept. And therefore, we're making it into a law and everyone has to follow it. And I get the sense that in this case, it's maybe a bit more trickle down. So they're going to say, this is what we're doing. And the insurance companies are going to have to figure out how they interpret this law and probably, I would hope, work with (laughs) within it. I'm not a policymaker, but I would hope Mm. that that's what they would do. That is absolutely fair. I do think that is a beautiful thing that people in government recognize a need and they take the steps to do it without waiting for social uproar from the people that are living their lives. Yeah. It's nice. (laughs) I reached out to a few of my American friends and said, did you hear about this? And they said, really? Where is that happening? I'm like, I don't know, somewhere that starts with an M. And they would all go, (laughs) definitely not Missouri. And I'm like, okay, no, or misery, as I like to pronounce it. Um, And then the more I told them, I was like, I think it's it's Massachusetts. They're like, oh, Boston. Although it's not Boston, it's Somerville. But as soon as I said Massachusetts, they were like, yeah, that sounds correct. That's (laughs) that's where that would come out of. So apparently, if we are ever going to move to the States, we need to move to Massachusetts. That's fair. I mean, I have absolutely zero intentions of doing that. So not in this current political climate. Not at all. Not during COVID while our borders are closed. Nope. So uh, my other question is, let's talk a little bit about what does this mean? What does legal recognition mean for these families? I mean, it's huge. It's like you said, it's not just best friends trying to like get on each other's insurance. It is families. It is grandparents. It is people who have had to have their families live together in a space and not having recognition of that. Generally speaking, it's just amazing. The possibilities. It's the fact that you're not being hidden. Right. You're not you're you're being seen for what you are. Right. And your dynamic. We hear stories about families where they'll have a third or fourth partner and they're going to go pick up the kid from school and they don't get to get recognized as a partner. Even though they're helping raise this child, they have to be like, I'm going to use my name as an example for this, even though I am not the polyamorous parent. But kooky Aunt Ray or this is my sister slash best friend. And even if your best friend does pick up the kid and it's not romantic, it's kind of like 
if this third person is helping to raise your child and they're part of the decision-making team, you'd want them to be able to go to the parent-teacher interview night and hear about how the kid is doing. And you want this person to be recognized when you take the parenting class because they're going to be enforcing the family rules and helping come up with what those family rules and boundaries are in the In other place. words, all parents co-parenting should have the same rights towards the child that they are the parent of. Right. Exactly. And I think just even the idea that this law is here and now people might feel more accepted if they go into parent-teacher interviews as a triad, as a commune, as whatever it's going to be. And I think also just in terms of blended families, right? You have yeah. all these families of divorce and they have new partners, but then those partners break up and then your stepmom ends up with a new boyfriend, but your stepmom is still part of your life because they helped raise you and so mm-hmm. is the boyfriend and it gets really complicated. Absolutely. Now we don't need to worry about, oh, this is my step parents boyfriends, what do I call them? Do they get legal recognition? If everyone's helping to raise you or raise I mean, a child. Just, just thinking about my partner's personal family dynamic. I mean, he has his dad. He has the man who like was, he raised him essentially. So he calls him his stepdad, but his mom is currently remarried to someone else who is technically a stepdad. So if he, God forbid, was in some kind of an accident, who is allowed in the hospital room? Which father? Because there are three and they are real and they are all equally important to him. Yeah, and in this case, it doesn't even need to be a step-parent. And now you can just say parent. Yes. You can just be like, yes, this is one of my four parents, one of my three parents, one of my multiple parents. I feel sad for when he gets married and who he's going to have to pick to do what role in the wedding party because that's going to be a complicated conversation. Um, I, Flower I, girls. All the fathers will be flower girls. <laughs> all three of them will hold hands and skip and throw flowers down the aisle. We'll worry about that when we get there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hi, James. Um, so, <laughs> okay. So the other thing that I thought about when I read this article was the the gay rights movement and what happened when mm-hmm. gay marriage was legalized and how that was, I mean, across the country for us. And I know in the States, it was a bit more of a complicated conversation, mm-hmm. but even just what it meant for people in LGBT relationships and how much marriage equality has given LGBT relationships so much more status socially. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not just like legal status is important, obviously, because once again, insurance or the hospital room or all those other examples and burial rights and all of just like the minutia of everyday living, all the ritual around it. I mean, I mean, ritual in terms of not like, oh, we do we we say a spell and we light a candle. (laughs) I mean, like the ritual things that people do that all of our society does as a whole, like funeral rituals. Dinner it's rituals. definitely a multi-layered issue. And I think when it comes to gay rights, I mean, there was the whole before it was fully legalized in the U.S., there was the chant that was like, no, no, we don't get married until everyone can get married. Right. And we've covered gay and lesbian relationships. Absolutely. But now we're starting to recognize polyamorous relationships with this small step. And that's great. I still think that here in Canada, I, I would still get married one day when when the time's right. Um but there are certain people where they will always be considered not part of the real relationship because they didn't meet them first, even if they have a boyfriend or girlfriend that they've had for 10 years that also lives with them and also takes care of the household in different ways. We didn't really talk about sex so much as relationships. I mean, sex is a part of relationships that are romantic sometimes. I right. And again, there are people who are ace and there are people who don't necessarily have that feeling or or, or the need. The sexual for... urges. Yeah, exactly. And that's also fine. But when you're talking about a romantic relationship, there yeah. is usually some sort of sexual component. So for our listeners, if you find out someone's in a polyamorous relationship, it's kind of like when you meet a trans person, you don't ask about their genitals. 
your first question to them shouldn't be, wait, so do you all have sex together? (laughs) Just a tip for our listeners. Yes, please don't do that. You would not ask a gay person when you met them, so how do you have sex? You just make assumptions and they can get corrected over time, right? I mean, (laughs) that's true of all of us. Yeah, a fair, I mean, yeah, I guess. No? No, yeah. I mean, like, I don't think that it's not obvious to me how... Gay people have sex? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned in a previous episode, when a man loves another man, they touch the tip of their penis. And if their love is holy enough, it makes a baby. Oh, yes, of course. That is exactly That's how it works. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Where does the stork come in is my question. I never got the stork story. (laughs) Did you? Uh, No, my mom's a doctor, so everything was very, very factual and, you know, genitals had the correct name. And and this is exactly what happens. There's no there's no room for all this non-scientific nonsense in this household. And my mother runs a very successful daycare. So, I mean, things were also very factual for us, too. (laughs) Dave, my producer, is laughing in the corner at me. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but I, I think... I do think that if we are doing things where we're legally recognizing polyamorous relationships, you're going to get less people asking inappropriate questions the first time they meet you if you're in a polyamorous relationship. Well, recognizing it leads to more sources of information about something, which means that you're creating less emotional effort for people by asking them questions that they don't need to answer for you. Google exists for a reason. Use it instead of causing emotional energy for people when you don't have to. You know what, though? Sometimes you don't know what to Google in the first place. And that's fair, but I think that asking people, like, you never know how many times someone has been asked a question. If I am going about my day and you're the 10th person to ask me, oh, so what's polyamory today? I might not have the energy to that. So accept I don't have the energy and here are things you can Google or just try. Like, even if you try to do something and it's not successful, at least you've tried. Yeah. I mean, I get asked at least three times a day minimum. When is Oasis reopening? And every time I get that question, my answer my answer has just become, I don't know. Go check the newsletter. But that's my point, yeah. right? Like, if you don't have the answer to something and someone keeps asking, or even if you do, and it's like, okay, I get it, but the answer is readily available for you. So, Well, but what I mean by that is, and this is the whole reason that I have a podcast like this, which is, I mean, if someone doesn't know the word polyamory and all they know is polygamy— they might not find the answer they're looking for. There is a lot of great answers, but first you need to know the words to Google in the first place. So if you are new to all of this, I hope you're enjoying my podcast. And if you're old to all of this, I hope you are still finding value in what we say. (laughs) But uh, I, I do think that there is something to be said for if you, a monogamist who is listening to this and hearing the word polyamory for the first time, find a polyamorous person in the wild, your first question should not be, so how do you have sex? Because that's just not an appropriate question to ask anyone anyway. And assuming that someone's identity or relationship model is automatically about sex. Like, you know, you meet someone who's gay. So historically, with gay relationships, there was an association that because they were gay, they were automatically deviants because the sex they had deviated from the norm. And there was this association with gay people or LGBT people as being part of the criminal underbelly or alternative lifestyles. And there are a lot of LGBT people who they vote conservative. They go to the grocery store. They shit. We all shit, right? Like that's, they're normal people. I can confirm that I still shit daily. Yeah, they uh, like LGBT people want the same things that non-LGBT people want, which is acceptance, a roof over their heads, sometimes a family, sometimes not. 
and, you know, to find love, to find connection. No, okay, but the point being that polyamorous people are the same way. Just because someone is polyamorous doesn't mean that they are part of the devious underbelly of society. They want, acceptance is it part for the course. It becomes the unknown, and the unknown scares us. So the more we know about polyamory and the more it's recognized, the more we normalize it, and the more, the less questions people have and the less, um, I guess, unacceptable questions people have. That being said, if you come up to someone who's poly or open and you're like, oh, what is that about? It is very different than, well, how do you have sex? And how many partners do you have? And do all your partners... Um, I Versus, oh... Um, what are your partner's names and how do you want me to refer to them? Just partner? Do you have a wife, a girlfriend, a husband, a boyfriend? Like, how would you like me to refer to your partners when I talk to you or talk to others and want to mention them? Yeah. Or I really don't know much about this. So sometimes it's just to acknowledge the fact that I don't know much about this. So if I say something that's offensive, please tell I'm me. sorry and I will learn and I want to learn about this so that I can respect you and your partners properly. Yeah, totally. I mean, I do know that if you hear the word polyamory, I say you like the French vu, you the general people. Some people associate it with sexual deviance and greediness and bisexuality, which is also associated with greediness. Which, Thanks, folks. Hashtag bisexuality awareness <laughs> week or whatever, which is also not true. But other people do associate it with polygamy and fringe religious groups and patriarchy and controlling women and one man with multiple wives. And I think that your definition at the beginning, this isn't just one man with a bunch of women who are, are sexual slaves to this man and they're part of a harem. This is about a group of adults who can love multiple people at the same time and want to do so. Let's say back in the day, it took a village and it took a village for a reason. A, people's life expectancy was significantly shorter than us, but it wouldn't just be about a man and a woman and they are doing everything on their own and the husband wouldn't provide everything that the wife needed because she would have the people who took care of other things in the village. It literally took everyone. Right. But that's not how society works nowadays. We have these nuclear families and everyone's pretty much on their own. So is it really fair to expect one person to be, be everything that you need? When raising a, a child or a family, you mean, specifically. Exactly. I mean, or emotionally as well. just in a relationship. I mean, like, I don't expect my partner to give me everything that I need. I have friends for certain things. Like, if I have certain emotional needs and I need coddling, he's not the one that I'm going to go to. And neither I am I. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but, like, each person in my life has its own value, value and brings something else into my life. But this expectation of my partner needs to give me everything and he needs to um, provide every emotional aspect of my yeah life. well I know yeah. that people get very confused when I say I have five best friends because these are people where they have one best friend and they couldn't possibly imagine being vulnerable or having that kind of a connection with more than one person I feel like we talk all the time about how lucky we are to have so many wonderful friends in our lives who we genuinely connect with and I mean I have you for so many things, like to wear latex and be creative and talk about my feelings and do fun things. But if I want to go dance all night, you are not the friend I'm calling. Absolutely not. I will break in the first five minutes. Right. And we'll both be miserable. So yeah. I need separate friends specifically to go out all night with and do physical activities with. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not offended by that. Neither are you with the fact that I have friends that I go to that are not you. Like, I would not give any of my best friends up for anything, nor my partner. Right. And I also wouldn't want to limit my my capacity for love. 
I love mm. you. I don't want to have sex with you. It's not a <laughs> sexual love, but mm. I love you. And I have other people that I feel love for. And I have other men in my life other than my husband that I feel love for because I love who they are as a person. I know that a lot of poly people, they are capable of feeling romantic love for more than one person, sexual love for more than one person. Just the idea that you would limit yourself to only having feelings for one person in your life is just so depressing to me. Yeah. And there's not only one kind of love. I have so many different kinds of love in my life for everyone. I mean, except for people that I don't like, in which case, fuck you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. Um, But there's not many of those people. So you're you're fine. Well, why don't you name their names on this podcast right now? (laughs) All right. Is it time for a commercial break? I think so. I've had fun with you. Thanks for having me today. Oh, don't worry. You're coming back after to answer a listener question. Amazing. All right. Commercial, Dave. We are looking for sponsors. If you are interested in sponsoring Sex News with Ray, please send us a DM on Instagram at Sex News with Ray or email us at sexnewswithray at gmail.com. And we're back with a listener question. Are you ready? Woo! All right. This one reads... Hey, slut. I'm going to pause for a second. If people want to address me as slut in their listener questions, I approve of that. If you want to come up with other fun nicknames, I approve of that as well. I'm a big fan of a nickname. But this one is addressed to me, the slut, which I do not take as a derogatory term. I love the word slut, actually. But yes, go on. It's my favorite. Hey, slut. So when I want to have sex, but I'm sort of tired and don't want to have sex, but I do, but don't, should I have sex or not? Sincerely, lazy yet horny. Well, uh, I mean, you can always, if you're partnered up, you can always look at your partner and say, hey, do the sex to me. Right. While I, <laughs> while I, while I rest my eyes. <laughs> um, Not actually, though. I mean, uh, first of all, I think that when that is happening, you kind of have to weigh out which need is bigger at the moment. Well, okay, sort of tired. I feel like this is the person where, like, they could have sex, but they could also not have sex. I mean, I can answer. I have some thoughts, and you can feel free to add in if you want. Okay, uh, mutual masturbation is a great option where you just lie beside each other and jerk off. Yeah. And then see if you kind of feel like having sex while you do that. Uh, I use jerk off as a gender-neutral term. I understand that women do, and people with vaginas may not necessarily jerk off, quote-unquote, but I do use it as my gender-neutral masturbation term. So going forward, just letting you know. So you can lie beside each other and jerk off and see if you feel like getting in the mood. And if you don't, great. And if you come, awesome. And if you don't, well, tired or not, whatever. The other thing is sometimes if you just, like, make out with your partner and try, sometimes you find yourself in the mood and then you have a great time. Absolutely. I mean, for me, it's one of those things that if I'm tired and I'm horny, tired is usually going to win out. I'm not going to lie. But sometimes it'll be like, okay, I'm tired. I'm horny. I'm just going to masturbate because that is going to be a lot easier than the whole, I guess, ritualistic portion of having sex and like doing the and it's less messy. And, up and it's like, I don't have to go wash up afterwards or pee afterwards. Well, like, I'm still going to go pee afterwards, but still. Yeah, but you should just be peeing regularly anyway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, wait, what? I'm supposed to be peeing regularly? No, just hold it for a week and let it go all at once like a camel. That's what I figured. Yeah, on your partner's. Okay, anyway. um, (laughs) Right. I feel like uh, I can't answer should you have sex or not in this moment because I don't know which one you you want more lazy yet horny. I think there, though, it's lazy is sort of in the name. This person is kind of like, I could, I couldn't. And that's when just a little bit of masturbation with your partner in the room can be fun. Unless, like, if you're really craving sex... Or like that other person you can also be like, hey, honey, like I'm tired and horny. I don't want to do any work. Just like, finger me. I'll make it up to you. Yeah. And or, like, yeah. But like also accept their no if they're like, I'm not into it. Totally. I would say, though, that there have been a few times where I'm like, 
uh, I'm not really in the mood, but I know that if I try, I could be in the mood. And like, why don't we see if I feel like it? And then halfway through, if I change my mind, then I've changed my mind. Like, if it's just not happening for me, it's not happening for me. Oh, I mean, there's plenty of times that we've with multiple partners that I've kind of started and been like, oh, you know what? Not feeling it. And it's yeah. always been like, OK, we'll stop yeah. then. Jerk off. Finish yourself off. I'll see you later. Yeah. And they're yeah, usually they're pretty cool with that. Yeah. Um, another thing. Okay. So this person doesn't bring this up necessarily in the question, but what happens when your partner wants to have sex and you're kind of, yeah, I kind of do, but I kind of don't, but I kind of do. And they definitely want to have sex. Mm, I think it depends. Uh, personally for me, if someone's pressuring me to have sex, it's a huge turnoff. Right. But if someone's like, Hey, I'm really horny. And I'm just like in the lazy, but tired mood. I'll be like, okay, I'll try. But if I'm just in the tired mood, I'm like, you know what? I can't right now. You have fun with yourself. Right. And I feel like we are two vagina havers. So I feel like sex for us frequently, you would think means we're going to get penetrated. But I also find sometimes in those moments when I'm not feeling like having sex, like I don't want you to touch me on the clit. I don't want to be penetrated. Don't worry about my pleasure. Mm -hmm. I will do other things for a partner in that moment that I know yeah. give them pleasure that I can just sort of like make the girl your list in my mind at the same time absolutely like I can always tell my partner okay go masturbate but if you want me to like dance for you or like you know suck on it a little bit like let fuck me fuck you in the ass with a strap on that too <laughs> whatever yeah do you want me to help you in some way while you jerk off do you want me to I call mean, you the pretty strap and on part is a bit like you know it's a lot of energy so maybe not that if I'm feeling tired and lazy yeah but <laughs> I guess the point being here that there's so many ways that you can that you can interact and engage with your partner on a sexual level, even if you yourself aren't necessarily feeling it in that moment, with the understanding that if your partner is expecting you to be 100% mentally committed when you're not feeling it, they can't expect that from you. A while back, we had a talk about blowjobs and uh, what was it? Enthusiasm. I'm like, you're not going to be getting an enthusiastic blowjob if I am tired and you're asking me for one and I'm not into it. But I'll put my mouth on it. You can fuck my face a little. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Hi, mom. Um, so <laughs> I don't think she's going to listen to this. <laughs> I don't think. Okay. So that is all for today. Yael, where can we follow you? You can follow me at Yael It Loud on Instagram. Y-A-E-L-I-T-L-O-U-D. New Instagram account because I want to post thirst traps. Yay, thirst traps. You can follow the podcast at Sex News with Ray on Facebook and Instagram and submit a listener question through sharewithray.com slash podcast or email sexnewswithray at gmail.com. Follow me at WifeBayRay on Instagram and TikTok and Razor Latex on Instagram, OnlyFans, and Patreon. This podcast is engineered and produced by Dave Meisner and is hosted at sexnewswithray.podbean.com. Theme music by Blank and Brilliant. Special thank you to Blue Microphones. And photography for our logo is by Dolly Shots Photography. Shout out to my basement cave-dwelling husband. 